And he phoned us that morning, the Monday morning, and said, listen, uh, it was the Shogun Knives, by the way. And he said, listen, I've never sold so many knife sets in one weekend. Uh, please, what products you have, bring it in. Those days, we probably only had about four products, you understand. But that was the start of taking these TV products into retail. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Are you keen to get your hands on some free Bitcoin? Well, now you can, thanks to Luno, Bitcoin Events, Blockchain Academy, Matt Brown Media, and Digital Kung Fu. You see, after selling out my third straight event in Cape Town and after being inundated with requests to hold a Joburg event, I am happy to announce that we will be holding an exclusive live show and networking event in Johannesburg at the Park House of Events in Hyde Park on Tuesday, the 12th of December from 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. This time, the Matt Brown Show, along with an expert panel, will be exploring a blockchain, Bitcoin, and initial coin offerings in front of a live and interactive audience. And remember, all ticket holders will receive 50 Rand in Bitcoin at the actual event. Your panelists include Lorian Gamaroff, the CEO of Banky Moon, Fazar Misani, the blockchain lead from Rand Merchant Bank, Matt Owen, the managing partner of KCM Capital, Clive Butko, the CEO of Kalon Venture Partners, Tanya Knowles, the managing executive of Fractal Solutions, and Atish Ramkaran from the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. This event will sell out quickly and seats are strictly limited. So get your tickets right now at qkt.io forward slash crypto joburg that's qkt.io forward slash c-r-y-p-t-o j-h-b and i will see you at the blockchain bitcoin and initial coin offerings event hey guys so today i want to talk to you about toys r us Yes, Toys R Us. <laughs> in 2012, they were a $12 billion company with a massive retail network of 1,600 stores. In September 2017, that's just last month, they went bankrupt. In fact, Toys R Us is just one of over 300 retail brands that have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the past nine months in the US alone. So how does a $12 billion a year company go bankrupt in just five years? Well, there are several factors in play ranging from crippling debt, a consumer which is moving, as many of you will know, to the online shopping space, and perhaps most obvious, in my view, is a distinct lack of innovation. And apart from a fulfillment partnership with Amazon, they almost ignored the internet completely. As the world continues to evolve on a seemingly cyclical basis, stories like this are becoming ever more commonplace, and in my view, it is becoming increasingly harder to find stories of companies that have truly stood the test of time. But one of those companies isn't a global story. It is, in fact, a local one that almost all of us would have heard about at some point or another over the past 40 years or so. It is the story of Verimark, a direct marketing and direct response TV play. Verimark was founded in 1977 with a capital base of just 5,000 rand, a staff of two people and a dream. Fast forward to today, however, and it is a 500 million rand a year company, which employs well over a thousand staff. In short, it is a brand and business that has truly stood the test of time. I reached out to the CEO, Michael Van Straten, to find out what he has learned in the process of building Verimark into a household brand, a global leader in home shopping network innovations, and most importantly, 
how we as entrepreneurs can withstand the pressures of an ever-changing business environment. So without further ado, enter Michael Van Straten. If you can imagine the scene, it was 1977 and the word entrepreneurship wasn't anything like it is today. In fact, in those days, if you said you were going to become an entrepreneur, you were typically met with a bunch of skepticism. And when Verimark opened its doors for the first time some 40 years ago, it was no different. But they had two people and a whopping capital base of only 5,000 rand. But they never dreamt that it would one day be a household brand and a 500 million rand a year company. The business was started in 1977, right? So that was before I was born. (laughs) Just to give you an... And I I feel old, right? So, you know, uh, when you started out, I guess, um, as the country's first direct TV retailer, that's four decades, right? And I find that incredible just from a length of standing perspective but if you cast your mind back to the early 80s um, there must have been a ton of skeptics this what is this direct tv retailer idea um, and i guess my question is how do you, how did you overcome those skeptics matt what what we did do is to uh, when we uh, 40 years ago very much when we opened our doors it we were did mostly shows you know uh, consumer shows like the ranch show uh, uh, and i think we learned and we cut our teeth there in 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 what it is to to sell uh, very mark i'd say probably about 10 years after we opened our doors only then did we start doing uh as seen on tv products um, and I must say, uh, you know, it was very new. It was actually at the time very, very uh, popular. You know, the amount of calls that we got uh, sitting there myself uh, on the first Saturday morning, uh, as I said, we probably, you know, I think paid 2,000 Rand for the ad- uh, television advertisement on uh, uh, SABC. And we, we really had, I think, 200 orders that day, you know, and, you know, the ratio they talk nowadays about media efficiency ratios, MERs. And I think you know, if you work it out, you know, paying two thousand rand for an ad and you're getting two hundred thousand, it's about a uh, you know one to hundred uh, ratio. But it it was very very exciting. So there was definitely, but people could only at that stage uh, get the product by phoning the number that appeared on the screen, and that's then obviously through a call center. So you may be wondering where the five thousand rand came from. Well, it was in fact lent to the business by his father, and even in 1977, that didn't really buy you much runway. So right from the get-go, the business had to be profitable right from the very first day. There's always a big financial risk, you know, and I, I think back uh, for how many years all my assets were signed up for the bank as security because otherwise they won't grant you the overdraft facilities that you need as a trading company where you want to buy stock and import stock. And that is all, take, uh, you know, uh, that comes at a risk, but you learn to deal with that, you understand. But also, I think it makes such a difference if I look when you work with your own capital versus if you look at the bigger corporates uh, where, you know, the guy's employed, he's got his salary, there's zero risk for him. But uh, but it also, the benefit of it is, is you really... You know, you realize the importance of not only long hours, but doing the best job that one can do. The name Verimark actually refers to variety of marketing and stands up to its name because today they sell hundreds of products in a vast variety of categories. From health and fitness, cookware, kitchenware, 
do-it-yourself automotive and security. Uh, you know, we are very diversified, you know, whether it's just locally, we work with all the big retailers in South Africa, uh, we work with all the different TV channels, uh, and, and, you know, and we're looking at uh, some exciting uh, expansion opportunities uh, locally as well as internationally. Now, of course, this is a far cry from where Verimark started. The challenge for the business at the time was twofold. One, how to build a direct TV market, which didn't exist at the time. And two, how to do it using their very first product. The first one was uh, the uh, Le Chef. It was a slicer dicer that we sold. And uh, and it was so interesting because we imported that from uh, from France at the time. And it was, uh, you know, it was obviously all new for us to say, how do you actually demonstrate the, the product? And I think it, looking back now, those days, there was very limited textbooks that you could go and read up, you understand. So a lot of that had to do with our background of selling, doing direct sales at shows or even in the retail stores, uh, uh, you know, to, to put together scripts. And, and remember, that was a big challenge in South Africa, unlike in the U.S., where there is really – you know, uh, the hundreds, if not thousands of ads seen on TV or DRTV companies. And, and, you know, if they want to produce an ad, there's also hundreds of production, advertising production companies that you delegate and they produce a thing. In South Africa, we never had that opportunity in the beginning. And we had to really sit and conceptualize the ad yourself, script it yourself. Uh, yes, uh, not like we should, we even, you know, but we will edit and we'll sit with the guys. But you, you know, the benefit of that is that you learn the, exactly the detail and what makes ads to work. By cutting their teeth and by adopting countless attempts at writing their own TV ad scripts, refining their craft and testing the marketplace for winners, Michael and his team began to see results. And in fact, the process that they developed led to them even outperforming the best direct-to-home marketers in developed economies like the United States. We will uh, produce the TV commercial and then flight it for a, for a trial period. And then we look at the sales that we're generating. Now, that is success is then the go-ahead, or if it's not successful, sorry, we stop there and don't continue. In the U.S., the success rates currently used to be 7%. Uh, it's now down to 5% in the U.S. In other words, 95% of all the new things they shoot in America will not work. Our success rate in South Africa over the last few years was 60 to 70% that we do get right. So we don't get it right every time, but we get it a hell of a lot more right than the Americans. 60 to 70 percent. That's insane. <laughs> so how do, I mean, what, when you look at, I guess I'm now, I have to ask you, but how do you decide what products to flights? Number one, yeah. I know there's obviously testing involved, but also, I mean, to what do you attribute that 60 to 70 percent success rate? Cause clearly that's like a global benchmark, right? Sure, sure. So I mean, is it, is it about intuition for you yeah. or is it about marketing? Is it a combination of the two things? Uh, uh, Matt, there is actually a long list, you know, of all the considerations that you have to do. I think the benefit, uh, you know, we have is being in business for 40 years uh, this year and having been exposed to a vast amount of innovation and new product concepts, I think we have uh, in Verimark uh, developed the experience and skill to select the right product. And it's really a, not a simple answer there. It needs, you know, and our basic definition is it, it should be unique and innovative. But if you go back, it should have the widest demographic demand. It should be demonstrable and it should also be top quality. And we want to sell to 
uh, a broad market. You know, we don't as wide as possible the market. We don't want to be too selective and too targeted. And uh, but uh, you know, visiting these shows still with my team. You know, many times I think once a month somebody from Verimark is traveling to trade fairs and to retail visits. And I must tell you, you see thousands of new products, and to select which ones you're going to actually bring back and 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 trial and test is clearly it is it is an experience situation. But I think that as I said, we we've we've had the benefit of 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 learning, uh, you know, through 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 our experiences. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. So I guess it's quite easy to look at where you guys are today, but when you cast your mind back, mm-hmm. I think there must have been, I suppose every business has a kind of like a wobbly moment when they're first starting out. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have a, a moment where you thought you wouldn't succeed? If I look back, very Mark had about three tough periods that we, you know, we were taking a bit of strain, not that we were in deep trouble. I think we have every time came through that tough phases stronger than before and, and, and reactivated our growth. Michael went on to share with me how he has navigated very Mark through some very tough economic times and suggests to entrepreneurs that to do it successfully really comes down to sound financial practices and decision-making when running your business. You've got to look at your cost structures. You've got to always align your your sales with your cost. And what happens in tough times, your turnovers will drop, you understand, your sales. And you can't just cap, keep your whole infrastructure the same or your staffing the same. You, Unfortunately, in that case, is must do difficult decisions to cut back on the cost and unnecessary expenses. You've got to really look at every expense. But again, I think it is wrong to only focus on, on cost. You need to also say, listen, how do we uh, overcome this challenge of, uh, you know, if we look at the economy today, where, where the consumer is taking serious pain in South Africa, and it is impacting on all businesses, all retailers that uh, that uh, that is in the consumer market. Now, one of those tough times was in 1994, when South Africa was in the throes of transitioning to a free and democratic society. As you can imagine, at the time, South Africa did not have the best international reputation. But as Verimark was importing its products from overseas, they had to get creative when positioning Verimark at international trade shows. Yet another barrier they had to overcome. How did the transition to a democratic country affect your business? If I compare years ago before the election, Matt, I remember, uh, uh, you know, it was part of our learning curve that we went through. We start doing shows 
uh, in America. You know, uh, I'm talking consumer shows now, like the Rand Show. And I remember at that time, we could not uh, tell people that we were from South Africa, you understand. Fortunately, we had very good relations with, uh, with uh, people in Germany, uh, which was of our suppliers. And we, we, we really, you know, positioned ourselves as a, as a German company at that stage. Uh, you know, as, as our products were coming from Germany, it was a knife set that we actually sold on these shows. But, uh, you know, and, and looking back, I think it, uh, you know, it, it was good for South Africa to go through that phase, uh, uh, you know, and there was a lot of negative uh, uh, comments. I remember a lot of people asking me, yes, are you going to stay on in South Africa? Uh, you know, I'm, as I said, born and bred here, uh, you know, I have a, a big part of well, most of all my life here. And, and you know, I, I still love South Africa. I really believe there is opportunity and where I learned that is uh, about 20 years ago, I, I were in Brazil. And, uh, you know, I spoke to a very successful entrepreneurial people at the hotel there. And Brazil was an absolute dire straits at that stage. The, they couldn't even put price prices on the clothing or the shoes or any products in retail because it, it changed virtually daily, the, the prices. And that's when, when the guy, and I asked the guy, listen, are you staying in Brazil? And he said, definitely. Yeah, there's still, even when things are going the wrong way, there is still opportunity if you are the right business model, the right ideas, the right products. Post the 1994 election, the Verimark business started to grow exponentially and to help further expand its operations, Michael decided it was time to expand from the direct TV channel into the retail and bricks and mortar space. After pioneering a direct response TV, we went back to the US where this concept originated from the DRTV and we spoke to the market leaders at the time then. So listen guys, what is the next step? This is usually profitable at this stage, but surely it, it can't sustain itself and they said listen if you take your products into a store nearby where the tv viewer can just go and pick it up there and buy it there uh, it, you should probably sell three times more and we asked the guys at the time have you tried it no sorry we haven't tried it but uh, we think it'll work we came back at the time and i remember having a, a uh, a meeting with with a managing director of of Dion's, and we asked him, "Listen, we want to take our TV products into your stores." He was usually skeptical in the beginning, but uh, he agreed to give us a chance over the weekend. And he phoned us that morning, the Monday morning, and said, "Listen, uh, it was the Shogun knives, by the way." And he said, "Listen, I've never sold so many knife sets in one weekend. Uh, please, what?" products you have, bring it in. Those days we probably only had about four products, you understand. But that was the start of taking these TV products into retail. It literally tenfolded the business. Then in 2005, the decision was made to take Verimark public and to list the company on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. What did you learn from that process? I'm fascinated, like what's the actual process of listing a company? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's tons of legal advice and financial advice and so forth. But if you were to sum up that process, like what was the one thing that jumps for you that you learned in the process of listing yeah. Verimark? Uh, Matt, I think it's, it's uh, you know, as a, as a true entrepreneur and you, you always want to take your business to the next level. You understand? And we could just see, listen, the next level at that point in time were, listen, let's go the listed route. 
looking back, were, were there challenges? Absolutely. And, you know, many, many companies that used to delist it will comment the same. And uh, there is a, a lot more complex now compared to 13 years ago when we did list in terms of corporate governance, regulations. You know, it really has become a very, very uh, costly exercise. Uh, I don't want to mention the, the figures, what it costs us extra to be listed. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, but th- that is, you know, you make those decisions. And, and you know, I, I still do believe that Verimark is a company with great growth opportunities. Uh, I can't tell you how many companies uh, in the last two, three months approached us for acquisitions, whether we don't want to, you know, buy them over. Because as you can see, many companies, you grow by organic growth, but there is also opportunities for acquisitions that one could in the future look at. Cool. So you've obviously been importing your products for 40 years and some change. So I'm fascinated by this because you mentioned, you know, you went through three difficult periods. You're yep. now in yep. a technical recession, in my yep. view. And I'm fascinated to, to know from you, like, how have you been able to successfully manage the cash flows of a business when we as a country have such a volatile currency? So uh, just to give some numbers here, in 2011, our brand... <laughs> Was dollar was six rand sixty two, and today it's thirteen rand twenty five, and that's in the last six years. So that is in ridiculous, and I can't tell you. Like I've got a really good friend of mine who ran a business that was turning over a hundred million a year, and they were importing um, sunflower oil from Russia, and the and the combination of a depreciation or depreciating rand. Mm. And the fact that there were some fires out in Russia sure. literally mm. took the cost of sunflower oil because they were su- the biggest supplier of chakalaka to the, oh, the mass okay. market. Okay. Okay. And it went from one rand a liter of sunflower oil to 13 rand. Wow. <laughs> and that literally yeah, yeah. put them out of business. So yeah, yeah. you've gone through this many times. Yeah. So what's the secret? How do you manage cash flows as an importer? Yeah. And how do you manage all of that in the context of a volatile currency? Matt, uh, it is a very, very difficult answer there. There's not a simple, easy solution. Uh, what we have clearly realized is uh, you know, diversification is very important. We, and rightly or wrongly, most of our product is still imported, but we have successfully also brought in uh, locally produced products uh, through in, in those phases. And that has hedged yourself, you understand, where you then look at local production, which immediately makes a big difference to your cost. You know, and, and that, that is why it's so blatantly obvious that you can't be so dependable on one economy. And that is looking back, we should have really, you know, continued our international expansion, which we were busy with 12, 13 years ago when we supplied about 40 countries with very mock products. Uh, you know, the last few years we've supplied nobody, you know, and that is what we've realized and we've reactivated about a year ago our international strategy and we participated in about five shows already since that and it's not something that you get right in quickly three or six months I personally believe it'll take us easily two years to reactivate it but um, there's three industries apparently that is less impacted by uh, recessions and economical downturns first one is insurance and, you know, it's very well known that you just have to watch television to see how many insurance ads you see today. And I think it's the reason is that people, you know, when things are tough, they're more worried about their families and, and security and, and all that sort of stuff. 
The second one is alcohol. <laughs> People drink a hell of a lot more, unfortunately, Matt, when things are tough. And that is why the alcohol you know, consumption generally increases. The third one, which is the one that I want to talk about, is direct selling. The direct selling, you know, as over the word proved, not that they're not impacted by recessions and downturns, economical downturns, but they definitely are selling better than the normal consumer-related products. And I think our model, the very mock model, is very much based on direct selling, even though today we are, you know, supplying vast amount of retailers and we are a major supplier to most of the, the big retailers. The whole model, and that's credit to Verimog, that has really uh, amended that model, adjusted that model from where it was a purely direct sales, uh, you know, only on television. Now we've used that same model, adjusted it where we direct the person to the to our retail partners. So why do you think that is, though? Uh, uh, Matt, if you... Uh, you know, if I, I think back of door-to-door selling, it is a known that the the consumer, you know, when they are uh, exposed or uh, with, with a top sales guy standing there doing his pitch, uh, it is much easier for the consumer to make a decision, unlike when they just walk through a supermarket and, you know, do they now need this styler or not? They probably won't take it, uh, you understand. And that is really what what direct response is about is is really what is known in the industry. It's a hot sell. You understand where you go. Uh, we use the concept known as AIDA, A-I-D-A, in the textbooks, grabbing the viewer's attention in the TV commercial firstly, then creating an interest, and then getting him to make a decision. I want the product. Ace is for action on the end, where he then would normally just pick up his um, his uh, telephone or his computer today, and uh, or uh, you know his, his smartphone, and order the product. Coming up, Michael reveals the one thing that he believes has kept Verimark in business over the last 40 decades. But first, some really big news from Matt Brown Media. Last week, my team and I released the Get Podcasting Academy. You can check it out at getpodcasting.com. So what is the Get Podcasting Academy? Well, it gives you everything that you need to blue ocean your brand and business using new media. So does any of this sound familiar? You're in a competitive marketplace and you want to stand out from the rest of the crowd. You spend countless hours trying to attract key decision makers to your business and you're kind of sick of the frustration of not getting the traction you are after. Or maybe your business is up and running but it's not going as well as you'd like and you're out of ideas about how to attract customers and take your brand and business to the next level. So if it does sound familiar, then don't worry because you are not alone and I've been exactly where you are right now. And that's why I created the Get Podcasting Academy. You see, after building a loyal listenership in over 100 countries around the world without spending a cent on advertising, and also off the back of this, a thriving new media company which is profiting from a lucrative new market, I decided it was time to reveal an entirely new way to put your brand and business in an uncontested market space. And that's what the Get Podcasting Academy will do. It will enable you to unlock this new media space for your brand and your business. So if you want to put your brand and business in a league of its own, profit from lucrative new markets and capture an uncontested market space instead of engaging with traditional competition, and if you want to attract key decision makers in your market at the right time without wasting time and money doing things that are not going to get you the traction you're after, then the Get Podcasting Academy is for you. So check it out now, guys. The Academy is your essential resource for the training, advice, and support you need 
to Blue Ocean, your brand and business using new media, aka podcasts. And I will see you at getpodcasting.com. So over the last 40 years or so, Verimark had to navigate three economic downturns, international isolation during the apartheid era, and a depreciating rand. But arguably, the toughest challenge was pioneering the direct TV market in Africa. In my view, this is quite a feat. And so I asked Michael what he thought was the one thing that has kept Verimark in business over the last four decades. It is really a question of staying positive. Even though things are looking around, uh, sometimes from a business, politically, uh, economically, is looking, uh, uh, you know, uh, tiring, and and I, you got to really get up in the morning and and put, you know, and make yourself positive. And I found even dealing with a vast amount of people that it comes through, you know, where you talk to people and they sense the, the that there is a opportunity. So I think it it is really, uh, uh, you know, there is a, a lot of other factors but I think to really have a positive mindset and never sit back and think uh, your model is is perfect don't change it because today's business world has evolved so much and you and it's continuously involving and you've got to really be on top of uh, uh, you know uh, the changes and continuously looking uh, even if we travel overseas just from a product selection perspective even though we might have a home run on our mops you continuously look for the next innovation, the next invention, uh, uh, and and that is what what it is. You can never sit back and say, "Listen, you've got this uh, uh, long uh, success record." Uh, uh, you can relax, and that is really uh, still today very much of the very mock culture to take it to that next level. Yeah, I guess you got to stay hungry, right? That's <laughs> that's that's, the, that's probably the one thing that differentiates a small business from yeah. a big one is the is the yeah. fact that the founder or the entrepreneur yeah. stayed. Hungry yeah. for growth. Absolutely, and 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 I, I must say, as as you become bigger in any successful business, if I compare when we were only three people or ten people, you know, it was a lot easier because you had direct contact with each employee, and uh, you know, and to motivate them, excite them, uh, and and uh, I still today, you know, believe an absolute uh, open door approach. It's not like I'm sitting uh, in in the CEO office and I'm not. Uh, but the, what the challenge is, uh, if you employ you know, 1,300, 1,600 people, depending what time of the year, because we've got a lot of people that actually is presenting very mock in the retail stores in that 1,500 or 1,600 stores. But you need to obviously continuously look and find the the, the best, because that is really ultimately what you've got to aspire to be, uh, whether it was as a young little rugby player, uh, lightweight, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, you, you, want, you want to be the best player there in that position, and the same applies business we're not interested to be second best we are only interested in where we can really be on top so have you watched the movie called joy uh, refresh my memory i think i have actually it's about the journey of a woman called joy yeah. mangano correct she she sold a mop or something that's I think. right am yeah. i right Matt? Yeah. She, it was called the magic mop or yeah, something yeah she sold it on qvc or whatever i think uh, one of the home shopping channels in america am i right that's uh, right yeah it was qvc and so for our listeners the story basically goes that she borrowed a hundred thousand dollars and yeah. it was the first self-rinse mop 
the story goes, I mean, she basically was running out of money. I was going to emphasize the power of what you've built here. Yeah. Um, and so she borrowed $100,000, basically just running out of cash. She gave them up to QVC yeah. and they had one of their traditional presenters trying to sell the thing. And she was convinced because basically the net result was um, they weren't selling this mop, right? But she was like, this is an innovation. It's meant to last the test of time, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, what she realized was that the presenters weren't selling this thing appropriately. So she convinced the station manager of QVC to put her onto the stage. I'm in a meeting with our lawyers. What do you think you're doing? Go home, Joy, and watch the numbers roll in on television. Make 50,000 mops, borrowing and owing every dollar, including your home. It could have been handled better. I'll let Todd have another shot. I don't want Todd or anyone else to try it. It should be me. We don't have regular people. We have celebrities or spokesmodels do the selling. I told you this. Who showed you the mop? Who sold it to you? Who taught you how to use it? And who convinced you that it was great after you thought it was worthless? Excuse me, can you give us a second? So she had never, ever been in front of a camera. She knew that if this was the last time, the last opportunity essentially for her to sell this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so she got up there and she was just a normal housewife. She wasn't one of the regular, you know, all jeweled up, bling, bling, you know, (laughs) presenters. Just a regular housewife. And she got up there and she spoke about Mm -hmm. the benefits of the mop for 20 minutes or whatever it was. And the lines wouldn't stop ringing. Well, and mm-hmm. and the fact factually, she actually sold eighteen thousand mops in twenty minutes. Sure, and that's incredible, right? And yeah. I think what that yeah, really great. demonstrates, and I think you know, and not necessarily for the first time, but it truly did demonstrate mm-hmm. that the market was buying her yeah. as well as her product. Correct. Do you know what Correct. I mean? It Correct. was her story. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. a regular housewife. I'm yeah. not a you know dolled up professional pitchman or, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I guess if you you know, now bringing it back into the very mark context, yeah, this yeah. is actually about storytelling. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you've now done this thousands and thousands of times. You've built this huge, huge business. Yeah. So my question is, how do you approach the craft of essentially teaching yeah. to sell? Credit to her because I think she featured, as you're saying, a, you know, they produced a, a whole, not just a show, but a movie on her. Mm. And uh, today it shows you how big that industry is, QVC, mm. Home Shopping Network, wherever we travel this is a massive industry today. I didn't see that movie to the extent that you've obviously analyzed it there. But Matt, it is true that, uh, you know, you need the right credentials. You need the right product. And ideally, if you have experience how to sell a product, it does make it easier. But I think uh, listening to uh, what you explained there is if she uh, was a genuinely good, credible person, I think that probably, uh, you know, did really resonate with her, with the TV viewers. And that's why she sold so successfully. And it shows you even without uh, experiencing and being trained, uh, you know, many, many times that she, she can actually sell very well. And that's credit to her. Uh, in very Mark's case, we have a part of 
of a very important part of our business is our training department. And we really have full-time people today from Cape Town to Durban to Joburg. In fact, Joburg has got more than one training managers. And we have all our salespeople on a continuous basis coming in. Because remember, with new products, you know, if a guy is working, uh, you know, for example, in Mossel Bay, how does he get trained? Or or he's London. And we, uh, you know, our product is about uh, as a training and sales, and we bring those people in on a continuous basis, and we've really created so much uh, expertise or opportunity for people that probably initially came out of varsity or even uh, you know out of school, they did not uh, can't earn money, uh, you know, and then we show them how to sell, and you know, and that is really what what is exciting about Verimark. I think if you ultimately going to see how many people came through the 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 Verimark school of training. It is vast, and and we have clearly these people that we use as come through the ranks. They are well trained. There is really a process that we go through them, um, and 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 you know to ultimately get them on a point where they can interact with a customer and and sell the product to that customer. Michael went on to relate to me how Verimark is approaching internal innovation, but unfortunately for confidentiality reasons, I cannot share the specifics of their strategy. But what he did talk very passionately about was how important decision-making is in business. What I do find in business, sadly, a lot of people postpone things. They don't act on it immediately. And I I think it is critically that uh, you firstly prioritize what is the most important doesn't help you uh, you know, you act now on something which is really peripheral. You need to really say, listen, this is a critical issue for me in my business and address it there and then. Uh, I can assure you in my experience over the many years, uh, I found people just move a lot slower. And that is part, I believe, of being successful is uh, where you can get that job done in, in a, a, a 10% of the time there, the normal guy. And it's not like he just takes time and he postponed because often these things are not easy decisions to take, but they will just postpone and drag on and ultimately the opportunity is wasted. And that is really where you need to, to really prioritize and make those decisions and act on it. It's not just a decision. Often, you know, you go and, and, you know, get a new product or shoot a new commercial or see that retailer or whatever. All right. So I think that that, that is, uh, I believe, very, very important part of uh, uh, entrepreneurship. Speaking of decision-making, regrets often stem from not making those decisions that could have taken your business to an entirely new level. But hindsight, as they say, is a perfect science. With Verimark building a great international reputation as a brand, I asked Michael whether he had any regrets about not entering the U.S. market. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, at the time, and it shows you that you sometimes could be too positive about a, a, a small market. And we all know South Africa is, a, is really a very small market if you compare it to the likes of Germany or, or the U.K. or America. And uh, I think if, uh, you know, if something, if I could probably uh, redo it, uh, I definitely would have kept our international division, uh, you know, operational. And part of that was, as I said, I've been in offices of QVC, of HSN Home Shopping Networks in America, in, in Europe. 
and they've grown phenomenally. It's obviously a slightly different model than exactly our model, uh, but uh, you know, it is things that uh, you know. If you talk about Amazon today, it sounds like everybody. I've even seen Chinese manufacturers that have their deal with Amazon in the U.S. and sell their products through them. And I think uh, you know the globalization is still very, very, very much a part of of expansion where there is bigger opportunities. And as I said, we've started that process. I don't believe it'll be something that just takes one year. Uh, but uh, and there is obviously a, a cost that comes with it initially before you start seeing the revenues and and the returns. Part of that strategy would also be to interact uh, not only with distributors in those markets, but uh, where you don't have a distributor to maybe deal directly with uh, with the likes of uh, QVC or whatever. At this point, I couldn't help but wonder how Michael has managed to balance managing a company of over a thousand employees as well as his home life. You see, to this day, he has been successfully married now for some 27 years. And as entrepreneurs, we all need to make sacrifices. And oftentimes, they are personal sacrifices that we have to deal with. Michael says that success comes down to finding balance in your life. The concept I heard so often is you need a balance in life. And I must say that I think it's an oversimplification to say what is the right balance, you know, time at work. Uh, and I think also as you grow through the, this phases, uh, you know, a growing business do come with a lot more pressure and, and uh, you definitely need uh, a partner that understand you know what the success is all about and that it comes at a price there is not a question of listen i knock off at five o'clock and i arrive at eight o'clock uh you know i've all my life worked very very long hours and i think i have a very understanding wife uh, that that and full credit to her that realize that that success does not just come uh, by by being you know uh, at home and available for all these things and especially given that I, I do travel a lot I probably travel once a month whatever overseas uh, and and you know I did try in the past also to involve her in some of the trips but uh, but to at least for her to also see some of of, of these uh, these international markets and that's what made life very interesting for me is to to move around to learn from whether it is France whether it is Brazil uh, uh, Argentina and, 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 and that is part of, of I think that, that learning curve business wise definitely but also on a personal note what, what it takes to, 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 to be successful I asked Michael what he does to disconnect from it all and it turns out that there is a little known resort in Mauritius called the Dina Robin that he says is one of the best places in the entire world for any entrepreneur to go to and down their tools. But I, I have visited vast amount of, of places, and sometimes it's two days or three days. And all, what I must say uh, about the Dino Robin and Mauritius is that it's still my favorite uh, uh, resort. And I think it is, you know, it, it really forces me, unlike if I'm sitting in Paris or Lyon, uh, you know, whether it's in Rio de Janeiro, uh, I have the habit that if I sit, I will, you know, in the evenings watch my television, see what TV products is coming on, whatever. And at least in Mauritius, you are cut off. You know, you can't. There is very limited uh, television exposure. Yeah, yeah, they have uh, what is known as DSTV, but um, and it is it is really uh, getting away from it all. So I, I have uh, always tried to once or twice a year to go through uh, and uh, you know to visit also different hotels. Not every time the same hotel. Uh, but but having gone there so many times, I've uh, I've lost count. Uh, I, I do enjoy, I, I found it really is very relaxing, and and that is why I would strongly recommend it to anybody that wants to break away. Speaking of escapism, 
Please tell me, why did you buy a Lamborghini and not a Ferrari? <laughs> Matt, the, uh, I looked at both, to be very honest, that uh, you know, I had a test drive in, in both. And having designed uh, you know, exercise equipment and machines, and I just found that the, the, the design was much more aligned with what I liked. At this point, I couldn't help but wonder whether it was the Lamborghini that gets him out of bed in the morning. But it turns out that it's a far more important why. If you ask me, is it all about money? Clearly, in the back of your mind, we all are driven as an entrepreneur to be successful and, and make some good money. But it is also a question of uh, important to, to be happy what you're doing. It doesn't help you make vast amount of money, but you are very unhappy what you're doing. That will not, it's not sustainable. Um, so I, I, I think it's really a question of getting your priorities right. As we've grown, I feel a big responsibility to the people around me, you know, my staff here, um, our consumers, you know, but to really make sure that that very much success carries on for the next 40 years. Michael, thank you for your time. That concludes your time in the hot seats on the Map Round Show. It's been a privilege and an honor to tell your story and to get to know you a bit better. And here's to wishing you another successful 40 years. Thank you very much, Matt. And uh, again, thank you for having me on your show. It, it was great uh, talking to you. Uh, and uh, I think it was a very, very interesting uh, uh, interview and, and credit for asking all those very relevant questions. Thank you. Sales is the lifeblood of any business, but for many of us, cold calling does not come naturally. Even if you are the world's best cold caller, cold calling day after day, week after week, month after month eventually turns into something of a trudge and it can be quite a lonely experience. So to help entrepreneurs succeed and ultimately 10x their sales, we've actually launched something called the Cold Call Hackathon, and it's getting incredible results in the marketplace. Just last week, we closed 35 deals in 40 minutes. That was almost a deal a minute. And the week before that, we closed eight JSC-listed clients in only 30 minutes. This is the power of collective cold calling, whether you are calling as part of one business or whether you are calling as part of your own business, but within a forum of other entrepreneurs hustling to make deal flow happen for you. If you'd like more information about the Cold Call Hackathon, we are running it in Johannesburg every Friday morning from 9 until 10, and the results have been insane. Just take a listen to what people are saying. My name is Kat Wolf. I'm a director at Office Space Online. We're a commercial property brokerage. I, if you're in any kind of sales business, I highly recommend a session like this. It's just such an awesome way to get energy going, to get yourself on that high that leads into business, that leads into more business, and just have the support and structure around you. Um, push you outside of your comfort zone and win and get results in the, in the, in the process and have some fun. And um, Matt rocks. Hi, I'm Keanu from Office Space Online. We just finished doing a 40-minute uh, canvassing session with Matt Brown. Um, I found it really effective. A lot of people were getting leads. I think it was 35 uh, total. And yeah, I feel like it really just revived the energy in the office. Um, canvassing is not always something that people enjoy doing and doing it collectively in a group um, really brought a nice energy and got people pumped for it again. So we'll definitely be doing more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joy from Office Space Online. I'm the broker manager here. I just had the most awesome time canvassing on the um, with the hackathon. We it, it was so much fun, so much energy, and I got a whole bunch of leads. 
you should totally do it. <laughs> so if you are interested, please drop me a mail at hello at mathbrownmedia.co.za or simply check out our page on Facebook, Matt Brown Media. So until next time. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.